welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Wow. Well, today's a good day. Um, I, so uh, a little while back again, um, Farrell and I were working on some renovations on our house. It was a few years back. And, uh, and I, I'm not really an instructions guy. Like I, I figure most things in life, and it's probably true, you don't actually need the instructions for most of the things that you do in life. Uh, but there are some times that you realize you needed the instructions. And I have a story about when I realized I needed the instructions on something a little bit too late. So uh, we were building some stuff. So we were doing our, our kitchen, and I was in charge. We had a guy that was kind of overseeing the whole project, and he was doing all the hard stuff. And I thought I'd do the easy stuff, which was putting together these IKEA cabinets. And, uh, and I kind of glanced at the instructions, and I did a fairly good job. I really did. They looked like they were supposed to. They looked really good. I got them all put together. And I had like that. So in the evenings, I'd do this. And then the next day, the guy would come and he'd hang all the cabinets. So I did all the cabinets. And there were probably like, I don't know, 15 cabinets or something like that that I had to put together. So I did it all in one night, put it all together. It was fantastic. And uh, apparently when I came home the next evening, I found out that he could not hang any of them uh, because they were just slightly out of square. Now, I don't understand this totally, but you want your corners to be 90 degrees because if they're just a little bit off and one is 88, then that means the other one is 94 or 2 or something like that, and, uh, and it doesn't fit right. So um, there's this thing that you use that I now know and love. I've got it hanging up on my tool wall called a square that just likes, looks like an L, and you put it in the corner of things when you put them together to make sure they actually line up properly. So my job that night was to take all of these cabinets apart and put them back together properly using a square. Instructions are actually our friends. Instructions are helpful. And Farrell said it's right there in the instructions. You could have read that. And I said, well, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to. <laughs> there are some things in our world that when we realize that we're kind of past our pay grade or outside of our understanding area, we should actually look at the instructions. And we look around our world today, we can see around our world there's a lot of stuff going on in our world that is like way, way outside of our understanding. Actually, there's, I don't think there's anybody in this world that can look at everything in the world today and say, hey, I've got it all figured out. Or else probably we wouldn't have all the problems that we do. So when we look at the kinds of problems that we have in our world, we need to, sit, to ask ourselves the question, are there instructions somewhere for how we can actually overcome or answer these problems or these questions or, or somehow work towards some kind of a solution for all the stuff that's going on in the world. And there is. God has given us an instruction manual. Now, it's not just that this, this, the Bible is God's instruction book for us. It's not just that. But there's a specific place in Scripture that gives us an instruction for looking at how we can partner with God together to see some of the things in this world become fixed. In the beginning of 2 Chronicles, now this is a long time ago in the Bible, so it's kind of in the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning of 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament, uh, there's this amazing guy named King Solomon. He's supposed to be the wisest person in all the world. And he builds the temple of God. And as he builds the temple of God, they spend like two weeks celebrating the building of the temple of God. They're, they're feasting and they're sacrificing and they're fasting and they're weeping and mourning and they're celebrating and worshiping and they're doing all this stuff. 
And at the end of that time, they dedicate the temple. They've got it all fixed and done and put together. And God shows up to Solomon. And there's this amazing moment where God begins to speak to Solomon. He tells Solomon, hey, I've heard your prayers. I've seen your sacrifices and your celebration. And I've seen you build my temple. And I'm happy and I'm pleased with it. And I'm excited. And there might come a day. There will come a day, God knows this, but he says, when, when the day comes that things get overwhelming, when the skies shut up and there's no more rain, when, when, the, when the grass withers, when the locusts come, when the enemies come from afar, when all the stuff begins to go wrong, here's what you do, and here's what he says in Second Chronicles. You've heard this likely before. God says to Solomon, here's the instructions for what you do when everything goes south. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Here it is. These are the instructions when stuff gets too big for you, when stuff gets out of hand. Here's what you do. And we see the people of God do this all through Scripture. We, we, more often than not, we see the prophets calling Israel to do this. They don't always do it. But we see it happen. This happens. The people go back to the instruction book, and they get back to this instruction, and they do this, and God does what he's promised to do. One of the examples we have of this is in the book of Joel. Joel's a minor prophet, which just means he wrote a short book. So the only difference in the Bible between the major prophets and the minor prophet is how long they went on and on and on. So the minor prophets, Joel's one of them, we don't know exactly where he wrote. Lots of the prophets, when they wrote, we know that it was at, when, when Israel fell to this enemy or when Israel was struggling with this thing. We don't know exactly where Joel ends up in the timeline of Israel. But we do know that some major calamity was happening. So Joel writes during a time when there was a massive locust invasion. He writes during a time when the skies did. They shut up and there was no more rain anymore. And it was all, everything was withering and drying out. There was a major drought. The people were starving. The crops were destroyed. It was a terrible, terrible time. And Joel, the prophet of God, writes during this time. In the midst of this, Joel remembers, or God reminds Joel and speaks to his people about the promise from 2 Chronicles. So here's what Joel says. He gets everybody together and he gives this prophecy. He speaks the word of God to the people. He says, put on sackcloth. That was just what they would wear when they were mourning. Put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Some versions call it a solemn assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Joel calls a holy fast, a sacred or a solemn assembly, a time of repentance, humility, prayer, and worship before the Lord. They are meant to come before God and do what God called them to do in Second Chronicles. And here's the thing. God shows up. Amazing stuff happens. 
There, there's in Joel, uh, Joel, this minor prophet, you may have never read through the, the book of Joel, but you know some of the verses in Joel because we actually quote these verses often. There's two verses actually from the book of Joel that you may have heard before. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But after the holy fast, after the, God's people gather together, here's what, how God responds. In Joel chapter 2, then the Lord was jealous for his land. That's a good thing. It means that he is going to show up and rescue his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. I will drive the northern horde far from you. Now, whether God is talking about uh, the locusts, because they're often spoken about like a giant army, or if there's an actual army coming to destroy Israel, whatever it is, God is saying, I'm going to drive all of them away from you. I'm going to give you what you need. And Joel goes on. There's a couple of verses in here we're not going to read, where Joel begins to say, rejoice. The, the, the grass is turning green again. The, the fruit on the vine is beginning to plump up again. He talks about all the, the cattle and, the, and the, the wild animals are beginning to, to be well fed again. Even the, the, all of creation begins to be healed. Not just the people getting new wine or, or those type of things, but the creation begins to be healed. And then there's this verse that we often quote. It's in Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. We quote that first part of that verse often. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. That's an amazing promise from God. There are times in our lives when, when we look at what's happening, and it may be the last week or the last month or the last year, it could be a long time, that we look back at our life, we go, it feels like everything keeps getting stolen from me. It feels like I'm having health problem after health problem. I'm having financial crisis after financial crisis. It feels like my family is falling apart. It feels like I can't get ahead. It feels like there's been years and years and years that the enemy has been stealing from me. And God says here, if we follow his instructions to come back before him, to, to put him first in our lives, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. That's an amazing promise. It's an amazing promise. If you're here today and you look back at recent or long-term history and you've seen years of loss or hopelessness or years of pain, tears or frustration, this is a promise for you to grab onto today. God calls us to come before him in repentance and humility and worship and, and prayer. And yes, in fasting as well as we've just been coming through a season of fasting. And the promise from the Lord is that he will repay us the years that the locusts have eaten. Now, I don't want to promise something to you that God is not promising here. Yes, God does show up and restore uh, relationships, bringing reconciliation. He restores fortune and health. He does that. We know our God does that. We've seen it. There's people in this room that could testify that have seen all these things come back. They've seen God restore what the locust has eaten. But there's other times as well that we don't see the repayment of those things in this life. There are some things that, that just can't be restored right here on earth. 
There are some things that God is restoring in heaven. There's a treasure being stored up for us in heaven that we are going to receive when we get there. So there are some things, yes, that God is saying that he is going to restore, and he does restore some stuff right here in the right here and now. And there's some stuff that God is restoring in the the, the age that is going to come. But in all these things, in all these things, whether it is going to happen the right now or it's going to happen in the age to come, in all these things, God continues to call us to come back to him, to repent, and to call on his name. When we do that, he restores. Now, there's one more promise from God in this Joel passage that we often quote. And in fact, uh, the apostles pick up on this. Uh, In the beginning of the book of Acts, Peter picks up on a passage that is quoted in Joel or prophesied in Joel. And it's quoted again in the book of Acts. And we've quoted it uh, many times before as well. So you probably have heard this passage also. But here's what happened. So after the people come before their God in Joel, after they come before God, they repent, they turn back to him, they put away their wicked ways and they seek out the Lord and the Lord begins to show up and begins to repay them. The, the, the grapes begin to get bigger. The grass gets green. All the stuff begins to be fixed in the here and now. And God also says this, Joel chapter 2, and afterward, that's after this solemn assembly, after this time of turning back to God, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Isn't that awesome? So this this happens, and I think this happened there in Joel as well. We see examples of Israel rising up and Israel beginning to speak the good news of God to the people around them. And we also see this prophecy take full fulfillment in this passage in Acts where Peter comes out and they've just come out of the upper room. They've just been filled with the Spirit and the the apostles come pulling out. 120 disciples come out of this upper room and they begin to prophesy. They speak in all kinds of different languages. And then there's thousands of people that come to Christ because they begin to speak the Word of God boldly. It's this amazing moment that happens. God hears our prayers And he pours out his spirit on his people and awesome and amazing things begin to happen. And then in just a very short time after this, so in this Acts time, when Peter comes out and all this amazing stuff happens, just a short time later, so this is in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 4, we see it happen again. We see the same thing happen again. Here's what's going on. So after thousands of people come to Christ in Acts chapter 2 and they begin to be discipled and baptized and all the neat things begin to happen, we see this this story of Peter and, is it Peter and James, I think, or maybe it's Peter and John. Uh, They go before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. Uh, They begin to persecute them. They tell them, when you leave from here, you can no longer speak in the name of Jesus. You can no longer talk about Jesus. So they go back to the rest of the disciples. They gather together. They report all that they've just heard. They go, hey, we've just been told to no longer declare anything in the name of Jesus. And so they gather together. They begin to pray. And then an amazing thing happens. Here's what the disciples pray in Acts chapter 4. So they come again before God. They come before God. And here's what they say. They say, now, Lord... Consider their threats 
and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? They say, God, you've heard what they've said. You've heard what they've said. Now, we're not going to obey them. Would you fill us with boldness to obey you? And then right away, the next verse is this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So this pattern continues. The pattern continues. Now, in this situation here, it wasn't the disciples' sin that was a problem. Now, back in Joel, we know in Israel, the Israelites continued to sin before God, and then calamity kind of came upon them, and they turned their hearts back to God. They repented and looked to Jesus, or looked to God at that point. They looked to God, and God healed their land. Now we see this other occurrence in Acts chapter 4 where the disciples are not disobeying God. They're actually obeying God. There was no sin for them to repent of, but they still, as they saw big problems that looked like they had no solutions, they came before God and they said, God, think of what they've said and fill us with boldness. And God does it. God does it. It's amazing what happens as we draw near to God as we draw near to God, as we worship Him, as we repent of our wicked ways, as we seek God first, it's amazing what happens. This is the way that the church of Jesus Christ overcomes. It's the pattern we see over and over again in Scripture. These are the instructions laid down in Second Chronicles where God calls us to come before Him so He can heal our land. As we look out in the world today, there are problems. As we look at our own lives today, there are problems. Well, where do we go to, fulfill, to, to fix these things? Where are we going to, to, to solve these? Now, I, I, I know if you look on Facebook, there's all kinds of easy answers there. there there's all kinds of things on, on Facebook. If we would just shut down the government or if we would just turn off our cars or if we would just do this or that or other thing, then all of a sudden the, our problems will be gone. But I think we've done that a couple million times and none of our problems are gone. Now this seems like a simple answer. It's a complicated problem, it's a complicated answer. But when we look at this, a God-sized problem takes a God-sized people to press into a God who can do something about it. Over this last month, we've been talking about fasting. And hopefully many of you have been, in, been getting involved in this. Um, we've been encouraging you to, to consider doing some kind of a fast every week, whether it means turning off your TVs for an evening, putting your phone aside for an afternoon, skipping a lunch or a breakfast or something like that. We've been encouraging you guys to fast in some way on a weekly basis. And I know many of you have taken us up on that. I, mean, I know many of you have stepped into that. As we begin to fast and we begin to put God first, this is kind of our first step as we press into what we're calling today a, a solemn assembly. A time to gather before our God, to repent of, of whatever we need to repent of, to rejoice and worship and to pray and to lean into what he has for us. To do what Second Chronicles calls us to do, to press in, to repent, to seek out our God so that he can move and heal our land. So here's our agenda today. We're going to start with remembering what Jesus has done for us. 
We're going to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're going to have a time of repentance. We're going to move into a declaration of the lordship of Jesus over us and over our church. We're going to follow that up with praying for our world, for our community, for our families and for our church. And then we're going to celebrate the finished work of Jesus uh, through sharing and communion together. And finally, at the end of this, we're going to pray a blessing. I'm going to pray a blessing over all of us as we take this teaching into our weeks. So first, let's remember what Jesus has done for us. And, and this is the gospel. Though we've been made in the image of God, and though God created us to have community and relationship with him, to walk with him as, as Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, to be able to speak to God, that's how we were created. We were created to have a close relationship with God. Though that is true, we've chosen to rebel. And we've continued to rebel. We've continued to live our lives for ourselves apart from God. This choice to live apart from God and to do our own thing, it's called sin. And the consequence of sin is eternal separation from God, is eternal death. But even though we've rebelled against God, God still loves us and so he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. So that the consequences of our sin would be laid on Jesus. And instead of having an, internal, having an eternal separation from God, to, be, to spend eternity away from God, instead of that, we're invited to accept Jesus' gift of eternal life with God. But we have to accept that gift. It's a gift that is offered to us. It's not forced upon us. And so we have to accept that gift, and not everyone does. Some continue to live their life apart from God and they pay the eternal consequences of that. You see, with Jesus, we have eternal life. With ourselves, we have eternal death. To accept this gift, we must turn away from our sin and rebellion and that's what we call repentance. Repentance just means to turn. To turn away from our own desires, our own selfishness, our own way of doing things and turn towards God, to turn towards his way of doing things. We turn away from our sin and turn towards Jesus. If you've, if you've never repented and turned away from your sin and turned towards Jesus, this is the option for us today. It's the invitation for us today to accept Jesus' gift for us. If you've done that before, if you've turned away from your own sin and turned towards Jesus, if you've done that before, but as of late you've been living for yourself again, you know that you know Jesus and you're excited, to, you, you get to know him, you're excited to be with him, but you've kind of done your own thing as of late, then I would call you again to repent. To repent again and turn back to Jesus. I want to pause uh, in this space for a moment. I want to give you a chance to just consider what I've asked you to do here. There's two things. I'm going to actually give us three prayers because at the end of those two prayers, we're going to pray first a prayer for those who have never met Jesus before, to repent for the first time and turn to Jesus. We're going to pray for those who, as of late, have walked away from Jesus and need to repent again and come back to him. We're also going to pray a prayer that, as a church, we repent of anything that we've done where we've taken our eyes off of Jesus and we turn back to Jesus. We're going to pray those three prayers uh, together in a moment. We're going to pause and give people a chance to consider which of these three ways or two ways you need to respond. So the worship team's going to sing two songs for us. We're invited to join with them if you want to, don't stand yet, but if you want to when, they're, when they play, you can stand. Join with them in, in worship. You can sit and contemplate. 
You can do whatever it is that you need to do during this time, but there's going to be two songs, and then I'm going to come up here, I'm going to lead you in those three prayers. So, take a few minutes, consider, join in with the worship team, and then we'll come back, I'll come back up here and lead us in those prayers. So just think about those three prayers. If you're in a space today where you've never turned to Jesus to accept his gift of salvation, if that's what you want to do, then in your head you can just pray this prayer along with me. It's going to be up on the screen if you want to read it also, but you can pray in your own head and I'll pray it out for us. Jesus, I repent of trying to live my life on my own. I turn to you and ask you to come into my life. Jesus, come and be Lord of my life and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, please tell someone after the service. We'd love to, to encourage you and celebrate with you and and talk to you more about that. Come and talk to, to one of us pastors. We'd love to talk to you more about what it means to repent and give your life over to Jesus. Now, the second prayer we're going to pray, the second prayer of repentance, is if you've turned to Jesus before in your life at some point, but you need to turn back to him today. So if that's your prayer, you can pray in your own head. But again, it's going to be on the screen behind me, and I'll just pray it out for us here, but you can pray along with me in your own head. Jesus, I repent of whatever wrong I have been doing. And I now turn back to you. Come and make me new again. Be the Lord of my life and fill me afresh with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, I said there was going to be a third prayer. We're going to pray this prayer corporately. And, uh, and this is just a prayer for us as a church. We know, we know there's stuff that we have not done well. There's stuff that we've not done right. There's things that we should have done that we didn't do, all this kind of stuff. And so as a church together, we want to repent also. And so this third prayer, I'm going to pray on our, our behalf. You can again uh, pray with me. There'll be a moment for you to, to join with me in a lordship prayer in just a moment. But in this moment, as a church, you can just join with me in this prayer uh, as I pray it on our behalf. Jesus, we as your church, we all repent of whatever has led us away from your presence. Draw us near again and fill this place. Holy Spirit, come. As we step into repentance, it's important for us to, to not just turn away from our wrongdoing, but to again fix our eyes on Jesus and to affirm again that he is our Lord. And so we have a lordship prayer. If you've never prayed this prayer before, we have it on our spiritual help desk out in the foyer. It's a good prayer. I, just, I pray this prayer every so often just to remind me and keep my eyes focused on Jesus. There's a little bookmark you can take from the spiritual help desk uh, that you can put in your Bible and remember it. But it's going to be up on the screen here. And I'd ask you just to stand with me. We're going to pray this lordship prayer out, out loud, not in our heads this time, but out loud. As a group. So join me, as we, join me as, we, as we pray this Lordship prayer out together aloud. Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge my need of you 
and accept you as my Savior, Redeemer, my Lord, and my Deliverer. I invite you now to be Lord of my whole life, Lord of my mind, attitudes, and mental health, Lord of my body and my physical health, Lord of my spirit and my worship, Lord of my family and all my relationships, Lord of my sexuality and all its expression, Lord of all my material goods and needs, Lord of all my finances, Lord of all my emotions and my reactions, Lord of my will and all my decisions, Lord of the manner and time of my death, and Lord of our church. Thank you that your blood was shed that we might be set free. Amen. You can grab a quick seat here. We're, we're doing what, what God has invited us to do in Second Chronicles, to draw near to him, to repent, to turn back to him, to seek his ways. And as we do that, we want to recognize that there are, as we said earlier, there are problems in our world, there are problems in our community, there's problems in our lives, and we want to draw near to him and ask God to come and do something. We're inviting God to come, to work in our world, to help us, to walk with us. We can partner with him in solving the problems that are around this world, in the world, in the community, in the families, and in our church. So it's just those four things are up on the screen behind me now. World, community, families, church. And I've put those up there so that we are going to spend a couple minutes in prayer here. So we're getting close to the end of our service. You just have a couple of things left to do. But I want to ask you, if you would take a couple minutes now, and there's people around you, if you can grab the people around you, get into groups of just a couple of people, two or three people, um, more if you want to, but we're only going to take about four minutes to pray. If you want to sit with yourself, you can do that as well. Whatever feels most comfortable, but I'd, I'd encourage you, if you can, to get into groups around you and pray short one-prayer sentences. All you're going to do is pray a prayer like, Jesus, we pray for peace over the war in Ukraine. Jesus, we pray for, for peace over the Palestinian-Israeli war. Jesus, we, we pray for reconciliation for families. Jesus, we pray for, for health over our families and our community. So just one-sentence prayers you're going to pray out as you look at these four places, these four regions, and pray one-sentence prayers for God to do something about these big problems. So just gather now together if you can. Turn around to the people around you. Pray by yourself if you'd like to. And we're going to spend about four minutes now just in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, the prayers that have come up to you. We thank you that you are intimately in, involved in everything that's happening in this world. And Lord, we bring these prayers before your throne. And God, we ask that you would move powerfully to bring about your kingdom, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. So if you're following along in the agenda I laid out earlier for our solemn assembly, we've remembered what Jesus has done and we've had a time of repentance. We've declared his lordship over us and over our church. We've prayed for our world, community, families, and church. And now we're going to celebrate the finished work of Jesus through the Lord's Supper. And following that, we'll, we'll close off our time together with, uh, with a blessing. So I'm going to ask, um, we've got uh, a couple of elders here, if you can come on up along with Pastor Amy to help serve communion. 
We'll get you guys ready for that. And this is what uh, communion is all about. So you can see there's crackers and there's going to be little cups of juice over there as well. And uh, this is what communion is all about. So on the night before Jesus went to sacrifice his life by dying on the cross, he met with his disciples. And he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is to remind you that my body was broken for you. Every time you eat this bread, remember me. And he took the cup that was there at the table and he passed it around and said, this is to remind you that my blood is going to be poured out for you. Every time you drink this cup, remember, remember me. And we're called to celebrate the Lord's Supper often, remember his death and his resurrection until he comes again. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, we invite you to, to join with us. You don't need to belong to this church to be able to have communion here, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, join with us in communion. And when these are passed out, hold on to the cup and hold on to the cracker together, and at the end, we'll all take it together after I pray. So they're going to be singing a song up here. I, I encourage you to grab your cracker and juice, join in with the song, uh, and just uh, continue to worship Jesus as we go into this. As we've spent this month going through fasting, we've taken this day to repent and worship. I invite you, and we've prayed a little bit today, I invite you in to pray even more through this week. So next Sunday, you've been invited to come at 6 p.m. to pray with us. For about half an hour, we want to pray together. But all this week, I'm inviting you to come and join us in prayer. So all this week, we've created a space for you Monday through Friday with prayer prompts that are going to be on our Beaver Lodge Alliance Church Community Facebook group. It's up there. Beaver Lodge Alliance Church Community Facebook group. Okay, so I don't know how this really works, but apparently you can find this group. And on this group, there's prayer prompts all week long. So on Monday, there'll be a prayer prompt. Tuesday, there'll be a prayer prompt. They're going to be different. And we're inviting you to do 60 seconds of focused prayer. So we're trying to make this very, very accessible for everybody. You can pray for longer if you want, but go on for 60 seconds and there's going to be a prayer prompt and pray that prayer prompt for 60 seconds, whatever that prayer is. And if you want to continue on, you can continue on. But join us all week as we've, we've fasted. Now we've come with the solemn assembly. We're going to spend this week in prayer, culminating in next week at 6 o'clock, coming together to pray together, 6 p.m. next Sunday evening. So join us this week as we press into prayer. I think God is going to do some amazing things. I feel like he's going to, to do some amazing breakthroughs uh, in our church, in our community, in our world, in our lives as we press into him. So I'm going to close off our time just a, a blessing over all of us as we, we step into the presence of God. So if you just want to take whatever posture you want, whether it's hands out, hands in your pockets, whatever you want to do, it's just fine. But a, a, a posture of receiving Jesus, I just, I stand before your church right now. I'm thankful for the way you see your church. That God, regardless of, of, uh, of all the broken stuff that we walk through on a regular basis, it's your desire, Jesus, to prepare your bride. This is your church. Your church is your bride. Made up of people who are called by your name, sons and daughters of the kingdom. You, church, you need to know you need to know that you are God's treasured possession, that he has set you apart. You are holy. 
Because of what Jesus has done, your identity right now is that you belong to him. You are children of God. And you've been filled with the Holy Spirit to, 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 to reveal the love, the hope, the joy, the peace of Jesus to all those around you as you walk through this world. So rise up, church, in the identity of who you are in Jesus Christ. That you are a kingdom of, pra- of priests, a holy people, a people who belong to God. Right now you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of Jesus who is at the right hand of the Father. You've been invited to boldly come into the throne room of God to bring your prayers and petitions right to the throne of God. No mediator except for Jesus Christ himself who is God. So I bless you to walk in your identity in Jesus Christ. I bless you to draw near to Jesus, to have him at the, at the front of your view at all time, that you'll be fixated on, on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And that you would be filled with boldness even right now to step out and declare the kingdom of God, to speak the peace of Jesus Christ over people and to draw them into a relationship with him. May you be filled to overflowing by the Holy Spirit. And may this place and every place you go to be shaken by his presence. In Jesus Christ's powerful and wonderful and precious name, amen. 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 Blessings on you, church. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.